The Long Walk. Well, what's the long walk? In 1977, Delta Force was stood up as the premier American counterterrorism organization. It was created by a colonel named Charles A. Beckwith, a former Special Forces leader who'd previously served in an exchange program with the 22nd Special Air Service, or SAS, in England. And because of this exchange, Beckwith came back and fought through tremendous politics and created inside the United States, uphill battle, this premier organization, which we affectionately, uh, as civilians now, call Delta Force. Other names for it are CAG, uh, the UNIT, the D-Boys, Hollywood soldiers. But the truth is these operators are selected through a process which is classified. But some of the unclassified versions inside of this are relative to the conversation, the long walk. Because as I've considered this principle that is used to select some of the best operators in the world to fight in the counterterrorism realm and direct action against enemies of the United States, I realized that we too in mortality on, in this life are on a long walk. Some of the things that are involved in this long walk that comes from, again, the Special Air Service's relationship with uh, Delta and its origins. Uh, they used to call it, the, in Britain, they call it for the SAS selection, the long drag march. And it's the same principle where these operators, these candidates are given specific tasks to go from point A to point B to C to D and so on and so forth, not knowing when this is over. And they hit certain checkpoints and they have to hit these checkpoints within certain time frames. And they don't know exactly what those standards are. So they literally are running through some of this and unavoidably walking and marching through much of it. This is in rough terrain in England for the SAS. They do it in the Breckens, uh, in Wells, these very, very aggressive mountains, which are not what we would traditionally, I'm in Utah, know as real tall mountains, but they're brutal in their in their architecture and their creation and, and how jagged, rough, and unforgiving they are. The weather there is also extremely brutal. So the long walk not knowing how far you have to go, not knowing what the the, the specific checkpoints uh, timeframes are, is not unlike our experience in life, uh, or at least in my experience in life. You know, I had a chance uh, when I was a young troop, we had a classified meeting where Beckwith came in and spoke to our unit. And he was retired at the time, but he, this was in 1984 or 85, And um, he had experienced setting up Delta again in 1977. So this is just about five, six, seven years after that. And he was an extremely interesting man, very, very uh, independent thinking, very unconventional, and uh, truly out-of-the-box kind of a guy. You know, and, and back to our journey, the long walk that we're on, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know sometimes what door to go through. And we don't know exactly what the checkpoints are supposed to be in time frames or what they even sometimes look like. 
And we don't definitely don't know what's going to be between us and each checkpoint. And so that can unsettle some people, especially for those people in the world, and I'm not one of these, who want to know the end at the beginning. Uh, people who might read the book backwards to find out what happens at the end before they read the rest of the book because they can't handle the long walk. Uh, or their personality type is one where they just want to know the end at the beginning. Knowing the end at the beginning is really not, I don't think, the way God operates. I think he operates, I think he's a very loving God and a very patient God, our Father in Heaven. And I think he um, believes that we can accomplish anything he's put in front of. I think he knows this, actually. Uh, we have to come to grips with the fact that we can accomplish whatever he puts in front of us. And that, that is, I think, at the end of the day, the purpose of the long walk in mortality the purpose of the long walk for operators is to have them reach deep down inside and find out who they really are. Will they quit? Are they going to push through? When your toenails fall off and you just had enough and you can't handle anymore, can you go on and finish the, the long walk and get to the point where, where things can be a little bit more known? Having said that, I think one of the stories I heard from one of the operators I worked with when I was in Europe, he said that uh, the trucks that appear at one of the checkpoints, you think it's over, there's trucks waiting, and you get up to the end of the trucks and the trucks drive away, and you're given another checkpoint. And true story, many of operators have quit at that moment in the long walk because they thought there was there was an end to their journey. They thought it was over and that they could now rest. And then they were told to hit another objective. And now you got to realize again, right? These guys are experiencing complete muscle fatigue, mental fatigue, calorie deficits, hydration issues, most likely. And uh, they're told to go on again. Uh, some, you know, hard for some people. But if we can carve out in our heads, a couple principles here. It'll help us, I think, in mortality. First thing is not knowing the end at the beginning is okay. It's okay not to read the book backwards or to watch the movie in, in the last 10 minutes of it to find out what happens before you watch the whole thing and let it unfold. In life, instead of, you know, it's there's nothing wrong, and I think it's really important to have goals, but instead of charting out every move that we're going to make and everything that might possibly happen, in our life's goals, um, establishing milestones are important. You know, general goals and what do we want to accomplish? What, what degree do you want? What certifications do you want? What kind of a job do you want? What kind of an industry do you want to work in? But being fluid in the process, remembering that when you begin your long walk, you're going to feel prompted by the heavens to walk through a door, but you're not going to know the end from the beginning of that door, what's after that. You're just not going to know whether it's a left, right, straight ahead, or oblique turn inside of that next room. And the faith is needed to know the prompting is accurate and vital and to follow it, to trust that gut, that intuition, that spirit that comes from the heavens, in my opinion, and act upon it, not knowing what's going to happen next much like the long walk that Delta Force goes through for selection. Just driving towards the objective, shooting your azimuth with your compass, and then 
picking the best terrain possible to make the best time, and then eventually hitting one of your checkpoints where you can get some water and some food and, and move on to the next one. There's a lot of joy in the journey when we do this. In my experience in life, as I have not stressed overly about a specific destination or how I'm going to get there, and as I get older and I begin to embrace the journey itself, the left, right, straight, left or right oblique turns, I have experienced tremendous joy. The final thing I'd like to say about this that I think is relevant is one of the things I constantly tell myself, and this is found in Scripture. I pray that my eyes will be open that I will see on this long walk, that my ears will be open that I will hear, and that my tongue will be loosened that I might speak the correct things to the people that I come in contact with. That also is one of the key principles here to find joy in this long walk of mortality. Not looking at the end and trying to find it out what it is in the beginning. Understanding that we have to have trust in our gut intuition or the spirit of the Lord, which gives us guidance and act upon it. And thirdly, and finally, again, um, make sure that our eyes see and our ears hear and our mouth speaks the things that are relevant to those around us. And in the process, we begin to lift people. We begin to elevate them. It becomes less about us and more about them. We learned the principle that I've talked about before called eating last, where when you're in a group of people at Thanksgiving or Christmas or a family event, don't eat first. Be the last one to serve yourself or to be served and be gracious in it and not you know, standing up on top of a podium and saying, hey, I'm eating last. I'm really humble but truly being contrite and not to the point of contention with anybody, of course, if they force it upon you, be gracious and accepting and say thank you. But the principle is let others go first. Let them be first. Let them win. Let them stand on the podium and you be the supporting element underneath and around them that lifts them up and praises their good works and their successes. Those elements, again, in summary, of not knowing the end of the beginning, of following correct principles as we walk through doors of listening to that voice, having the courage to act upon those things. And then while we're going through this journey to see, hear, and speak correctly, and then elevate those around us or technically eat last, great joy can be had. I hope you have a beautiful day, and I appreciate you taking time to listen to the Velvet Helmer podcast. Jaeger, out.